When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Why Would You Tell Me That? With me, Dave Moore, and him, Neil Delamer. We are proudly part of the ACAST Creator Network. And also you can follow us anywhere you like, uh, to the shops, around by the back of the bins, uh, wherever you want to go. But probably the handiest one, means you don't have to get out of your chair, is to do it on social media. So we are at Why Would You Tell Me That? on Instagram. He is at Neil Delamer Comedy. I am at Dave Today FM. And we love hearing from you. So get over there, give us a follow. And you know what? We never ask for this. We should ask for reviews. Everyone asks for reviews. It doesn't even matter what you say in a review. Did you know this, Neil? No. Like, just give a five-star review and then go, this is the worst podcast in the world. That doesn't matter. Apple just look at the five-star reviews, and the more five-star reviews the podcast gets, the more it puts that podcast in front of other people who don't listen normally. So we want you now, as a, as a mission this season, to give us a five-star review and then just, like, Put in your favorite line from the podcast. Don't even say what the podcast is, just like out of context. So someone else who reads the review is like, what? Do you know what I mean? That's what I want to happen. I, I love that, that showbiz used to be about getting your work in front of people and allowing the work to speak for itself. And then if a critic got it and understood it and understand the messages and understood the scale and the craft that you put into fabricating this sort of thing, then it would get a five-star review. And that has transformed into the begging the imploring the ignoble begging of the two of us just go please type five stars and pick a run yeah. that, you're, that's... you're not even giving people the choice to have an opinion like just give us a five star review I'll go better than that what give us a five star review and write a, a line from any other podcast you like <laughs> we don't even care <laughs> The algorithm is AI isn't there yet to, to know no. whether it's from our fact, podcast yeah, or somebody else's podcast. Give us a five-star review and then recommend a different podcast. That's what you should do. In the review for our podcast, we'll be recommending other podcasts. I wonder what the weirdest one we would get. Like, I love this podcast. It's about random facts of five stars. And then they quote something from the Succession podcast or <laughs> something else. I think that would be amazing. I like the way the weirdest thing you could think of is the Succession podcast. There are so many weird podcasts out there. Well, this is this is true. Yeah, you know, mind you, we're responsible for a lot of weird episodes, so we shouldn't really, you know, those in glass houses, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. <laughs> Frogs who carry eggs and sacks on their back. I'll refer you back to uh, season one, episode three, or something like that. I'm going to so. have a bet with you off air, yeah. right? Uh, air, yeah. I use in quotation marks, um, of uh, what the weirdest line people would put in, and I, and I'm, I'm not going to say it now because that will sure. lead people to it. Sure, of but I reckon we get at least one or two of one particular line. I think you know what the line is as well. <laughs> well there's because been a your, few, Neil. Your friend sent you a text 
<laughs> about that, yes, you know the line yes. I'm talking about? Okay. I do, I do, I do, I do. Um, it is my turn to wow you with something today, right? Go on, you and, wow me with uh, something every day. You're such a wow individual. Uh, we get great responses when we do anything about language. Oh, yes. Uh, we, we've covered how certain languages could count and um, how various English words got their origins with Susie Dent Countdown. Spoiler alert, I'm on Countdown in two or three weeks. Yes, you are. Back Looking with Susie Dent. Um, but I am upping the ante, Dave. Oh. Yeah, this is season four now. Today, yeah. we're not going to look at a language. We're going to create language. What are you talking about? We are going to get a word into a language. That's the next level up. Shut your face. We're, hang on, we're going to actually create a word in a language? We're going to get a word into a language. That is in part two. Jesus. We're joined by a man who's the chief terminologist for a language. I know, I know it's, it's not like, it's not what it's meant. But now that you've said the word chief terminologist, yeah. that to me sounds like the Arnold Schwarzenegger character that should have been created. I am the chief terminologist. I will terminology you. That would have been brilliant. Should it be I'll be back or I will be back or one will be back? Should it be <laughs> Mokinila? If I were back, would you be happy? In French, I return myself to the place. <laughs> okay, we've seen the next, because uh, he'll do anything at the moment. He will, in fairness like, to him, So yeah, we, yeah. listen, if you want to crowd, give us a five-star review and crowdfund our chief term to spill it with Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> so many requests. So, so part one's going to be all about uh, words as well, right? Because we Brilliant. do love words in this we show. We do, we do. We use a lot of them. Yeah, when I look at you, two words come to mind. Uh, mm -hmm. Calipagian. Oh, yes. The first one. And Ulster Crepidarian. <laughs> now, Ulster Crepidarian is someone who gives opinions on subjects they know nothing about. That and is literally is, my job. Yeah, if, go ahead. If there is one thing this podcast is based on, <laughs> it's us being Ultra Crepidarian. But also, and because people can't see us, I, I don't think they realize that you are a Calipidarian. Uh, it's having beautiful, well-shaped buttocks. Oh, well, I mean, there are there's, there's a subset of the internet who are yeah. very familiar with my shapely buttocks, but that is not something I can plug on this podcast. What a weird kink. Would you like to, <laughs> would you like to plug your buttocks? Yeah, I've plugged them many times. That's an OnlyFans <laughs> account that I think we could possibly crowdfund the film we just talked about. So hang on, what did you say? Calipagian. Yes. I've always assumed, by the way, that your shapely buttocks are, are well, first of all, they're the first thing that attracted me to doing the oh, podcast. Of course, but, I understand. But I always assumed they are kind of a hangover from your hurdling days. I don't know if people yeah. know this, but you were a very good hurdler in school. I, yeah? I was, yeah, yeah. I used to do the 110 meter hurdles. Uh, at one point, I was definitely a Leinster record holder. I'm not sure how long that lasted. Um, really? But yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I was, I was good. I was properly good. Like, I was considered by US universities, those... Ivy League schools for a potential scholarship and all that kind of stuff. I wanted to stay home with my mammy and have her wash my underpants and make me lunches for, for college and stuff. So I didn't ever consider going. But it was there as an option. I was genuinely that good. And yes, the there, there is a natural propensity in my corporeal form to have strong thighs, large calves and shapely buttocks. But definitely training to be a sprinter is really about putting on meat in those particular areas. Uh, so yeah, I, I I was I was that guy. What you can't see is he's actually had to move his house to a mart because it needs a huge. I'm a thick boy. I'm a, a thick boy. It's a huge yard because his milkshake brings that many boys to it. It's an agricultural sized 
Marty Yard. So what was your fastest time, like, as an underage person or or child underage person? I don't, I honestly don't, I'd be lying if I remembered. It was 14 or 15 seconds. No, it was definitely 14. Yeah, yeah, no, it was, it was was good. It was 110 meters, 14 something, uh, maybe high 14s. Like, I'd be lying if I said I remembered. I was 16, 17 at the time. Like, was it good? Was it a good university in America? You said Ivy League school. Arguably, it's the most famous university in America. Oh my God! University of the Bayou, Louisiana. <laughs> Go no, Arizona State Tech. Come on! Wow, I was going. Uh, yeah, no. Look, 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 there there was interest from something that begins with ha and ends with vod, but like it was just that wow. it was like letters of expressing interest. Well, my only sporting. I mean, I think it is comparable. My only sporting um, gift, I, I should say, is is probably I I swam. I represented my county in swimming, and uh, as I've said to you before. Swimming for Afli in the 1990s was like playing Gaelic football for Mozambique. I mean, there wasn't a huge amount of people doing it. There, there's no water, Neil. There's bog. Well, well, hold on. See, I think there was only two swimming pools in Afli at the time. In so, Afli? I, oh my yeah, God. Like, I was swimming against lads who learned how to swim in the wild and ditches <laughs> and rivers and shit. Like, they come in, no togs, you'd just be lily pads tied together with bale and twine. I'll never forget. I mean, I was swimming one gala. And let me set the scene for you. It was okay, one okay, gala, okay. right? So, uh, Lane won, wasn't worried about him. Was, he was the only little fella and he could only go on circles because he mm. learned to swim in a well. Mm. And he <laughs> <laughs> just, but he was very good in circles. Uh, sure. Little, little asthmatic fella. He used, to, he used his, his inhaler as a snorkel. He was okay, right? Now, beside him was a, a child uh, so rotund that I'm surprised he wasn't clubbed to death by a Canadian. I'll be <laughs> honest with you. And he was in lane two, three, and four. And um, that, was, that would have been me. And it's the only reason I'm allowed to say it. And then lane five was, uh, he was a danger man because he was beating somewhere, but his dad had been convicted of membership of the IRA. <laughs> right. Have I told you story? No, what? you haven't. No, so, you haven't. So they went ready, said go, and I was I was gone like a rocket. Gone, yeah. And yeah. Um, um, the guy on the outside, the, the danger man, he was taller than me and he probably had been a better swimmer, so I knew he had an advantage, but I knew that eventually... Look, once his balaclava got heavy, I'd probably catch up to him at that stage. <laughs> so we get up to the wall at the same time. We do the tumble turn. We come back. And I never like to come back because you, then you meet like the shite fellas on the way back. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you're a cold shit, you're going to have to acknowledge it. But you know, you'd never see that in the Olympics. You'd never see Michael Phelps like waving at a fella on the way back. Oh, was your dad? Tell your mother I was asking for him. So I, I'm, I, I narrowly tip him. Uh, oh. Uh, and, and beat him and um, very close and the uh, judges went to say congratulations Jimmy whatever his name was and uh, they oh. gave him the medal they gave him like, the medal I was like oh, I know it was close but I'm pretty sure I beat him and your mom was like yeah but his dad's in the rat so <laughs> so we're <laughs> gonna have to please this man yeah well I, I actually got my my most humbled I've ever been uh, or humbled or humiliated I don't know anyway in hurdling yeah so out in, Mo- um, what's it called? Morton Stadium in Santry is the big place where you go and you uh, you do all your, your athletics. So I went out there, peaking my powers, Lenser record holder, you know, having conversations with Ivy League schools. This is, pff, I got this. Yeah. And there's a, there's an up and coming young flit from another school on the south side of Dublin. I can't remember where he's from, but he's drawn in my heat and everyone's saying, you know, this is the guy, this is the guy. He's the only one who can beat you. This is the guy. And I was like... Okay, well, sure, look, we'll see how we go, whatever. So get down in there, starting blocks, and off we go. And I'm like, I'm nine hurdles in, a glance, he's nowhere to be seen. 
stroll over the last hurdle, slow it down, going over the thing. I'm like, yeah, no bother. He comes in third, qualifies for the final. Uh, and I'm like, to everyone else, is this the lad you were worried about? Like, I pocketed him in the heat. And they're like, yeah, 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 no, good. I pocketed him. him. Yeah, easy, oh, easy. Okay. Get to the final. I'm ready, kind of practicing my, my walk up to the podium, the, the taller of the three, obviously, to put the gold medal around my neck. I'm just thinking of visualizing this, whatever. And on your marks, get set, go, bang. And I am flying out of the box. Great start. First over the first hurdle. And we just, we're going. And it's all about technique, Neil. The, the three yards, the three steps in between the hurdles are fine. But it's about getting up, being flat, and getting back down. And that's what it's all about. So my rotund buttocks are working like there's no tomorrow. And I'm snapping my leg down. I'm hitting that lead leg down. I'm, and I glance around seven or eight hurdles in. Can't see your man behind me. Nowhere. I'm like, this guy, this pretender to my throne. And as I hit the ninth hurdle, I realize, oh, oh, there he is. He's already finished. No way. He played me in the heat. He ran deliberately to finish third. He told me afterwards so that I would be lulled into this false sense of security. He hustled me in my backyard, 15 minutes from my house. This guy from the other side of the water. And then, yeah, that was it. It was just, that was the end of my, well, not the end, but the decline of my hurdling career after this young flicking. I think he literally smashed my record that season as far as I can remember. Well, okay. Well, let's end this on a a nice note before we get into the body of the podcast. I then beat the guy next year. I got the gold medal next year. because Yeah, because I trained really hard. And in the meantime, my dad had joined (laughs) Al-Qaeda. And nobody was expecting that in the middle of in the 1990s. <laughs> oh yeah, we we get this phone call, you know. Uh, plus nine three. My dad be like, "That's Afghanistan. I better get this." I'd be out there. How are you, Sam? What's the crack? What time is it there? Oh, six hundred eighty. Oh, go ban yourself. Uh, I got your letter. I'd be happy to accept. What would I do with seventy-two of them? Sure, only have a single bed. Anyway, as the Pakistani authorities would say, I'm gonna let you go. So. Uh, <laughs> Stop! Okay. Get this podcast taken off here. <laughs> okay, oh, okay. Bridge. So let me go back into so 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 words, words yeah, yeah, and yeah. a bit of business from before. Do you remember when Susie Depp was on? I asked her why a lot of English people put an R in the end at the end of words that end in vowels, but Irish people don't. Yes, yes, yes. So we would say tuner as T U N E R. We say tuner because we pronounce the R, and a lot of because we've erotic accent means the R. Oh, it's and, very and they, erotic. I they would say tuna. Tuna, yeah. Right. Got, however, would they say tuner yeah. for the fish tuna? No, they would say tuna for tuna. They'd say tuna. I'll, I'll put some tuna on my tuna. No, they would tuna on my tuna. Well, it depends, you see. All right. So she's a lexicographer rather than linguist. So like a big boy, I went off and looked it up myself because that's right, not right, necessarily right. her. Or bailiwick, shall we say. So okay. non-rotic varieties of English which is a most English accent. <laughs> the awfully accent, other things that are non- non-erotic, you know, just loads of things. <laughs> Many feature films has your voice been in? Um, I would say none. Okay, so two nothing. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's just, uh, let's just right. move on from that. Right, 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 fine, yeah. fine. Yeah, I was, yeah. I was in, I've been in... Uh, oh, he's not the, moving on, he's getting stuck into uh, it now, go on. Born You're in the, in the Rise of the Machines. <laughs> I, <laughs> Full Metal Brick S. <laughs> uh, Clan McNoise, Clan McNoise, Hackerter. <laughs> uh, 
this will be nothing to our international listeners. No, no, but it's great. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, I should have actually put the question for you at the start, which was, and I've missed this in my research, who was nicknamed uh, Laura Norder? Ever heard of her? Laura Norder, no. Okay, right. So, we'll go back to this in a second. Non-rotic varieties of English pronounce the R only when it immediately precedes a vowel. So, they'll yep. say tuna, but they will say tuner amp. The amperage, oh, so, so they'll pronounce you R there, right. right? gotcha. And that's known as a linking R. This intrusive R, which is is an overgeneralizing interpretation of that linking R. So mm. the lads will horse an R into a word that ends in a non-high vowel. You don't really need to know about that. But it's closely followed by another word beginning with a vowel sound. So an R is inserted, even though there's no R there. So gotcha. we would say arena arch, and they would say arena arch. Yep, gotcha. Okay. Because Margaret Thatcher was a devil for doing this, and she pronounced law and order with intrusive R's. No. She was apparently nicknamed Law and Order. Law and Order, yeah. of course. Yeah. That is brilliant. Okay, I thought you'd like that. Um, second thing on words, I was watching this video on TikTok, and I was interested in it, but because it's TikTok, you kind of go, is this real? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it is it's social media. So I looked it up. And it was real. And we'll, we'll throw the video into the show notes as well. And thanks to Joshua Scott Davis for this one, right? Um, he's an African-American dude who's talking about. Well, I won't tell you what he's talking about. Okay, I'll tell you. <laughs> right. In 2005, Janice Jackson, Janice Jackson, and yeah. um, in a University of Massachusetts study showed groups of black kids and white kids images from Sesame Street. Okay? Right. And in the picture that we're kind of concerned with, we had a sick cookie monster. And he's in bed and he's not eating any cookies, okay? And then right. Elmo is standing nearby him and he's eating a cookie. So she asked all the kids, who is eating cookies? And all of them say, Elmo is eating. Then she said, who be eating cookies? And the white kids said, Elmo. But the black kids said, cookie monster. Because, wow. yeah, I think this is amazing, right? Because AAE, which is African-American uh, English, can add nuance to traditional verb forms. So, right. you, so the, and the white kids were familiar with this, right? Whereas if this is called the habitual be, so the white kids, who is eating cookies and who be eating cookies is essentially the same question. So they always said Elmo. Right. Whereas the other kids, they went, well, we're, we understand the habitual be and the habitual be means, you know, you were always Usually, doing this. Or, it's, yeah. it's part of your very being, essentially. Right. But the kids in Jackson's experiment could pick up on the subtle difference between between these versions of B when there were five or six. Oh, right. So who is eating cookies? Who be eating cookies? Like, yeah. There's such a subtle difference there. Yes. But yet, even we can understand why they chose that because it, it completely explains the habitual. Well, Irish Gaelic yeah. has... The habitual B form, whereas traditional standard English, I use that in, in inverted commas, yeah. doesn't have it. What's, so what's the Irish one? So um, so the example, and this is in Joshua's video as well, because he talks about, he's an American dude, but he learns Irish. He's obviously mm. learning Irish or speaks excellent. He says, so Tom McDrapiacht, I am climbing. Drapium Doc Lewin, I climb every Monday. Monday. But Beam, that Beam too, or Beam. I am habitually climbing. Right. That, oh, that, like, I'm, you know, I love languages. Yes. But this is, this is eye opening. 
Thank you for this. Yeah, I thought that was quality. It's just uh, yeah. how different languages around the world uh, reflect the sense of being and then mm. how English has been added to a nuance, as it says, has been added to it. Brilliant. I've got Love one that. last thing for you. Did you know that Buffalo, 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 Buffalo is a sentence in English that is acceptable? Oh, do you know what? I actually do know this. Uh, I know, I know, I know. Because I did. I, no, I'll tell you what. I did it in Days Row, which is the thing I do on the show, which isn't dissimilar to this podcast, but it's like three minutes as opposed to an episode. But I did it. A, oh, it must have been. It was a long time ago, but I did it. But I can't. So I can't remember the exact structure. I just remember it being a thing. Okay, I'll tell you what. Well, for the listeners and our, our fans of this podcast, I'll explain what this means, okay? Please do. And actually, now that I think about it, I can make it slightly different for you. And so this works because... Buffalo is a city in New York State. Mm-hmm. Buffalo is also an animal like a bison. Yeah. And the verb buffalo means to bully. So that was the key to it, was to understand there's actually a verb to buffalo someone. Exactly. Right. And there are, so so the sen- in the sentence, buffalo, 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 there are three kinds of bison being talked about that. So it's essentially saying uh, New York bison, that other New York bison bully, so buffalo, buffalo, that buffalo, buffalo, buffalo. Also, bully New York bison. Also, buffalo, buffalo, buffalo. Do you get me? So, New York bison who bully... No, that other New York bison oh, that, bully. So, in other words, okay, so another way of phrasing it would be that are bullied by New York bison mm. also bully New York bison. Yeah. New York bison, that other New York bison bully, also bully New York bison. So, buffalo, buffalo... buffalo. buffalo. Buffalo, 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 buffalo. Yes. Yes. I mean, it is one of the greatest sentences ever in English. And when you see it written down, obviously you can see the capital B's. Yes. So it becomes even clearer. Yes. But it is beautiful. Okay. Well, let me let me add a slight, you know, a little bit of sugar to the sauce there. Oh. That's, that's not even a sentence. No, but I love it. Have you ever been told this by a buffalo? <laughs> because the no. buffalo is a big ugly fucker from around Lee Shoffley. <laughs> Yes, it is. Buffalo, 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 buffalo. As told to you by buffalo. Buffalo. That is beautiful. Beautiful, Neil Delamere. What a way to wrap up. Yeah, I think that is a fitting end to part one. But stick around for part two, where I'm going to blow your mind because you and I are going to get a word added to a language. Incredible. We're going to talk to Dunlaker O'Croning, who is the chief terminologist. With first Nagariga, and he's going to help us change the world, or maybe the dictionary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST.
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Welcome to part two of Why Would You Tell Me That? Now, I said to Dave in the first half, we are going to put a word into a language. The language is Irish. I am delighted to be joined by Dunica O'Cronin, who is the chief terminologist at First Nagelga, and he and his cronies, or croninis, as I like to call hey. them, now, they, they suggest <laughs> translations for words that don't exist in Ireland. How are you? How are you doing? So, okay. Now, I just should say couple of things we get a lot of international listeners to this show yeah you're listening to this and you think oh i don't speak irish i think you're going to like this episode because it does have parallels across other minority languages as well and i think it's just a really interesting process so how does this work am i right in thinking thinking Dunica, that anybody can come to your panel you and your panel and say what is the irish term for x a new word yeah yeah they can i mean you know, as you say, it's mostly related to minority languages, but it could be any language, you know. I mean, really what we're talking about is somebody comes to us with a concept and they say, you know, this concept exists. Here is maybe the English word for that concept or maybe the English words for that concept. And they'll say, we, we need a way of describing that concept in Irish. And so that that's where we start. That's when we start our work. Can I just zoom out for a second, Neil, and just ask Dunica, like, so we, we will speak to you, obviously, in this very exciting part two about the Irish language specifically. But in a general sense, I know the minority languages would struggle to have all of the words that the bigger languages would have. But for example, does something automatically exist in French when it exists in English or in Spanish when it exists no, in English? Or no, not, a, not at all. They have to go through exactly the same process or very right. similar processes to what we have to go through. It really depends on on what is the main language spoken, where the concept or, uh, or you know is is first described or gotcha. first used, or maybe the area uh, of work or area of sport or area of life where the concept is first used. So, say for example, you're talking about computing, and a new computing concept comes up, like like virtual reality, say mm. twenty or thirty years ago. Well, that would have originally come from English because most of the people working in the computing area were using English as their their working language. So they would have coined the term virtual reality to describe that concept that they were talking about. Once that has been decided as 
this is the these are the words we use for this concept then the other languages have to kick in to catch up yeah now in some cases it can come from other languages if we're talking about say things like uh, uh, you know where maybe a particular language leads in that area they might be the first to bring in the concept and they might be the first to bring in the word and then english and other languages have to kick in for example if we're talking about culinary or if we're talking about certain sports or things like that well, then obviously you're going to take them from the majority language in, you know, in that area and then work your way through all the other languages. Yeah, you're right, Dave, for kind of slightly picking me up on the on the use of minority languages yeah. because French is uh, you know, a hugely widely spoken language, but it does have um, it does have l'Académie Française and it yes. does have that, I suppose you could say, protective uh, institution that English doesn't have. But we, we might get to that in a second. OK, mm. so. Let me zoom back in there. Um, and, and so somebody comes to you and says, for example, fidget spinner was was one of the words that I should say. I met Donica when we were doing a, a radio show together and he was yeah. talking about fidget spinner. And a primary school teacher wrote in and said to First Nogalga, which is the body that promotes the Irish language in Ireland, and said, um, all my kids are playing with a fidget spinner. I want to know what the Irish first fidget spinner is. And then you, what, sit down with a panel of experts? Is that how it works? Well, the way it starts is uh, there's just a team of two of us, myself and, and my colleague, uh, my assistant terminologist, and really we, we do the research, first of all. So what we would do there with something like fidget spinner is we'd say, well, what is it? You know, uh, do we have pictures of it? Do we have a description of it? For example, maybe the teacher might show us a photograph uh, of a fidget spinner and then we say, okay, let's, let's see, can we work this out? We look and see other languages. Well, you know, how is it described at the moment in, in French and in Spanish and Italian and German so on? If it is, it might not be because it might just be a cultural thing in maybe England, Ireland, America, whatever. And then we'd start saying, OK, how can we describe this in Irish? Can we use existing terms? Do we create new terms? Do we create maybe a completely new word out of this? And then we would put that proposal both to the person who asked the question and also to our committee of experts. Committee of experts meets once a, a, a month, normally the, the first working Monday of, of the month. And we would have a list of things that we've proposed in the previous month. We'd say to them, here's why we think this term should be the Irish for fidget spinner. And what they then do is they would sort of toss it about. They have about a weekend or a, a week beforehand where we put them up on a on a, an intranet or, a, well, a, we call it an extranet, but it's actually just private to the members mm. of the committee. They can put notes about what they think about our, our uh, suggestions. And then on the day, we will either agree the one that we suggested or they will come up with a new one. And how many people are we talking about on this committee? Two terminologists and then how many people on the panel? Well, okay, so... As terminologists, we effectively function as a secretariat for the committee. The committee itself is made up of volunteers. We can have up to 30 on it. They're a huge mixture of people. Almost all of them would be end users of the terminology anyway. But we're talking about journalists. We're talking about scientists. We're talking about uh, medical people. We're talking about mathematicians. We're talking linguists as well. And we're talking representatives from the major dialects. So all of these pile in together. And they look at our terms and then they discuss it. And, you know, in some cases, it can be almost a rubber stamping. In other cases, you could have half an hour spent on a particular term because somebody doesn't like it or somebody thinks it's uh, leading possibly to ambiguity or, uh, or maybe they just don't 
think it sounds like an Irish word. Yeah, because I I wonder how you deal with rejection because I can imagine that you put up all of these terms and terms you know every single month and then you just yeah. get a bunch of people sitting around on a Zoom call going nah nah yeah 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 uh, you got to learn to deal with the rejection but I mean you got to look at the at the sort of it's always very good humoured uh, it's always very very civilised it's always interesting it's mm. never a boring day and. Really, at the end of it, I suppose if we would look at our list and say, look, we, we've submitted maybe 50 or, or, or 70 terms today, and maybe, uh, you know, 80% of them were, were accepted straight away, mm. and the other 20%, you know, it's very rare we're going to be handed back a term that we don't like. You know, I mean, uh, you know, we are dealing with people who are supremely competent and efficient in the language. So... We're, we're not going to get something stupid back from it. What Donica doesn't admit to here is if if they reject his idea, he just uses that word himself <laughs> for, for the rest of all time. He has insisted that a fidget spinner is called yeah. a Pachamayokami Bob and he is sticking to his guns and that's uh, it. Yeah. I'll let you in on a secret, which is not a secret anymore now, but what what we can do, for example, when we're, when we're publishing our results up on our website, is that we, we do have the facility where we can put the recommended term and then underneath it we can put a term saying in use. So uh-huh. say, for example, uh, i give you an example. Let's say we've got three dialects, three major dialects to deal with, and the, the committee meets together and they decide we're going to pick X as the preferred term, but somebody else is saying nobody in Donegal will ever use X. So we can actually put Y, and then in, in italics we can say in use. Mm. So we... We do have that facility because we we're recommending, but we're we're not recommending solely. Uh, you know, you have to use this. We're saying this is what we think you should use. I can I can hear people at home going, yeah, but what's the Irish for fidget spinner? Oh, you've yeah, yeah. you've tried this it right for now. too long. So, but <laughs> it, it's a really interesting journey through through the suggestions. So, what was the first suggestion? Well, yeah, you see, this is it. You, you pick the ones that we get rejected, don't you, Neil? That's really nice. <laughs> I do. You know, but okay. So, okay, our our first shot of it, as it were, as a chief terminologist and assistant terminologist, our first shot of it was a thing called Cashel Gildeman. Now, that's two words. Cashel is a, a, a very old Irish word for a spinning top or a spinning toy. Okay, so that's the first part. And then the second part, Gildam, is somebody who fidgets. It's a fidgeter. And so it's basically, it's a spinning toy belonging to a fidgeter or a fidgeter spinning toy or something like that. And, you know, we looked at that. We thought, that's that's lovely and elegant. That's really nice. That's really sweet. And, and it's using old words in a new form, which, we, you know, which people like to do, and which terminologists like to do. And we went into the meeting and almost immediately people said, don't like it. You know? Right. <laughs> so we said, okay, you know, let's go through it. Let's let's look at the toy. We we had a we had one with us, and we said, let's look at it. And and one of our members, Sabi, no longer with us, who was an expert on sailing, on boat building, and so on, suggested the first word would be something relating to a wheel, because all fidget spinners are circular, and in some mm. way there's wheels involved in them. But not not the not that the word like rock on its own, which is wheel, or not the word rotter, which is a uh, bicycle. But he came up with this term rohan, R O T H F O D N. I think it actually means something like a capstan or a pulley. Right. And it w- it would be found or it would be known to uh, to to boats people, you know, throughout the Gulf area. So that was the first thing. So that that was something indicating the circularity and the wheelness of the toy. 
And then the second thing was incredibly simple. He just said Mere, which is the genitive of Mare, which is your finger. So in other words, it's it's a little wheel belonging finger to wheel. the finger. It's a finger wheel, you know? And it's beautiful. Rohan Mare, it's very simple. I think you commented on it, Neil, that you know, you, you can envisage it, you can see it in your mind. And uh, it's it's very simple. Well, I think I like it for a couple of reasons. One, because it details this, this, I think it's a lovely term, first of all. Yeah. Two, I think it details the journey that you go on. But I think it illuminates the idea that in a language that you want to promote, you want people to understand. And if those those other words that you suggested, Cashel Gildum, I think it was, yeah. um, fewer people know them. You know, ruh, because uh, you learn what a ruhr is in school, a ruhr is your bike, you're familiar with the word ruh, so you know what a wheel is. It shows that you're trying to create words that might be more kind of instinctive. People might understand them instinctively. Yeah, I think so. And, and uh, you, you know, in, in terminology, a lot of our, our, our clients, our customers, our users are going to be specialists. They're going to be people generally who are involved in translation and so on. But this is an example of, of a customer who's not one of those. This is a teacher. This is somebody who's probably teaching in a guild school or something like that. And, you know, desperately wants the term that they can use, doesn't want to use the English term, and wants something that both they and the kids and the parents will understand and, and, and will accept readily. I mean, we look back on it now and we think, you know, I wouldn't put the words casual and gild them in front of, a, a, you know, a, a class of five-year-olds or six-year-olds, right. you know? So, by the way, when you come up with that word, um, how is that disseminated? How You go back to the person who su- suggested originally or asked you about it originally, but do you do you kind of town crier go, this is the <laughs> Irish now for fidget spinner from here on in? Or Electronically, to a certain extent. I mean, what, what we do, yes, is... is the first thing we do is we, we go back to the person with a suggestion within two or three working days. Now, th- there is that sort of flaw in that, you know, it could be a month later by the time we get it in front of the of the committee is they're only meeting monthly. And then if they if they uh, change it, we have to go back with our tail between our legs to the original inquirer and say, listen, you know, we, we told you this a month ago, but the committee has decided not to. <laughs> now, generally, the experience of this is, very good. People just say, thanks for letting me know or whatever like that, you know, but I, I could imagine there'd be a certain amount of frustration, but really we can't get over that, short of having the committee meeting every day, you know. <laughs> yeah. well, what 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 we then do is once we have our monthly meeting and we're happy uh, you know, that with that the, the committee has agreed on, on certain terms and that's published on our database called terma.ie, that's T-E-A-R-M-A dot I-E you don't have to put the fud on the E but if you do you'll still get there Sonica have there been cases where you decide on the word and you're happy with the word but the uptake of it then isn't successful well you're really getting into the negative on this aren't you Neil (laughs) (laughs) he's looking for a headline for the newspaper (laughs) I I should just say no and then just leave it at that it's never happened this is rocky but for words Uh, basically there has to be a struggle and then at the end you go Susan Styra in Philadelphia absolutely absolutely yeah look I mean there there will be there will be phrases like that I mean one of the ones that jumps out at the moment is Brexit and uh, there's a huge number of reasons why this is awkward but one of the main things about Brexit and about translating Brexit and I'll tell you I'll tell you what we decided in the end but one of the main problems with Brexit is it's not British exit it's United Kingdom exit Mm. and therefore it is loaded with political significance so therefore you got to look at it then okay what does Brexit mean how do we break it down 
And already by the time the term came to us, people were using the phrase brat them up, which is literally brat for British or, or brat in Britain, and then imoch, which just means exit or departure. And, and this had gained a certain amount of traction already. It was being used on the media, it was being used on social media as well. And we had a discussion just before I arrived into the job, actually, there was a discussion about it. And the decision was taken just to take Brexit as a borrowing, which is allowed, and to recommend that that be used. Now, what that means then is that, strictly speaking, government departments, official documentation, everything will be expected to use the word that we recommend. Right. But then, you know, facing reality, we also had to say, look, brat them up this. Do you remember that I mentioned earlier about using the things like in use? Yeah. So we, we put brat them up then and marked it in use on our database so that anybody looking for Brexit will see both of them. They'll see Brexit as the official one. It does seem perfect as well. There's not there can't be too many examples of a portmanteau um, working in English and in Irish. So it does kind of seem perfect. But I know that there's yeah, the, the odd con- working well in one language are, yeah. are, 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 you know, really, really long. And then the odds of it working in two languages long still. Or alternatively, people who came up with it were absolute geniuses because they knew that, yes, Brexit means British exit and technically it's the exit of the United Kingdom. But then they thought, well, this is going to impact Northern Ireland and Northern (laughs) Ireland, if I I reckon in the future, Northern Ireland will remain in in the EU orbit. Maybe they're absolute geniuses, Dunnegan. I'm sure somebody will probably claim that they knew that was coming, but really, (laughs) I I don't think so. Just when we're on uh, Portmanteau, uh, we have a couple of of facts for you Dave that I know you'll like oh, yeah. uh, you know so port- portmanteau is obviously British exit becomes Brexit so you have kind of blended words mm. do you know where the word portmanteau comes from well I'm immediately going to go to French yes but do you know what it is uh, port is porter which is to carry yes and manteau is something I have forgotten uh, Monto is Take Me Up to Monto. It's a very famous song. <laughs> uh, no, Portmanteau is a traveling suitcase. And oh, Lewis, Monto suitcase, yes. Lewis Carl gave us that one, came up with that idea that he saw the new words, new blended words, being like the two sides of an old fashioned suitcase that you put together. And he gave us ones like chortle, which is a combination of snort and chuckle, and galumph, which is a blend of gallop and triumph. And it is the most common form of creating new words and our friend our friend Susie Dent uh, has a great video that we'll point people to it's very creative and it's very interesting as well and 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 probably one of the best things is that uh, most portmanteau words are very very easy to understand mm, they're very easy to identify the different segments uh, from which uh, you know the word is created so it's I'm, I'm going to steal someone else's story here. Now, I do a radio show uh, apart from this podcast, and my co-host Dermot tells this story about when he was, think, I'm pretty sure it was national school, but certainly if it wasn't, it was a very early secondary school. And graphic equalizer had become <laughs> a thing that was very important to teenagers and, yeah. and, and tweens at the time yeah. because they could push the bass of this particular song and pull down the middle of this or whatever. Not that anyone really understood what it was, but they were very excited. And at one point in their Irish class, they asked the teacher, what is the Irish for graphic equalizer? And he paused for a second and he simply said, Knappy Electrica, which we'll translate for most people means elect- electric, electric buttons. buttons. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. so for years, Dermot has told that story of how somebody just went, do you know what, lads? I'm going to reach for two words here that will do the job for the 12-year-olds who it's, want to know. It's spoofing. It's spoofing. I mean, 
Yeah, nowadays, okay, I would say, okay, graphic is a quite a common adjective, and we would have graphic, G-R-I-F-I-C-H. Mm. And and then uh, equalizer, uh, well, then we would construct it from cochrum, which means equal. And then we would put the suffix O for the IR, which is the agentive suffix. So it's somebody who does something, so you bought, you bought or, and, and so on. So I would probably say cochrum or graphic, and I think that is actually graphic equalizer. In Donegal Irish, it's Edward Woodward graphic. Yeah, uh, yeah, the, the equaliser, yeah. What, does the etymology of the word in English affect how you translate it into Irish? Yeah, it does. Yeah, it, it does. And, and in some cases, we're not translating. In some cases, we're transcribing or transliterating, you know. So in other words, we're taking the word and, and we're probably making it sound Irish. So for example huge area of this would be uh, would be chemicals. We're not going to try and put an old Irish word in for a chemical, a, a newly created chemical. So what we do there is we break up the segments. And in a lot of cases, the segments in, in, uh, in the English will be Greek or Latin origin and so on. So therefore, that becomes really important. Now, we do have a, a template. We have a set of rules as to, for example, how, how you translate something ending in A-T-E or I-D-E or I-O-N or anything like that, you know, and, and we, we would follow those rules. But sometimes, you, you know, I mean, you know the old thing about anti-disestablishmentarianism being the longest word in English or something like yeah. that. Nowadays, we're getting chemicals that are uh, twice that long in, At least, in, yeah. in, in names, you know, and really it's a case of just sitting down, breaking them up and, and finding out, how, you know, how do you pronounce the individual bits? The same would apply in things like, you know, for example, literary criticism, where you're getting words that are coming from the Greek. It's very important to us to find out how it was pronounced in the Greek. And we're lucky we 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 have uh, we have a speaker uh, of of Greek on the, on oh, our wow. team, uh, you know, on on our on our committee as well. So you know, I think on our committee we probably have about fifteen to twenty languages between the lot of them. Just the idea is that the lads just looking up Constantine Omoruku on their phone going, what are the chances? Yeah. <laughs> so I assume a lot of these words are like are, are technical words, like they are. Are, are, are either chemical words, like from science, as you say, and, and, and physics and all the rest, yeah. and words from technology, because that seems to be the, they the would, new words that come into English. They're the most productive areas of, of neologisms, of new words in so, the language. Yeah. So a word like, say, greenwashing, it, is there an Irish term for that? And how did you come up with that? You know the way the politicians always say, I'm glad you asked me that, you know, and then <laughs> yeah. they're, they're on, oh God. It's almost like I called you earlier today and said, what's yeah. the Irish word for greenwashing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, so, you know, we do have it already. And uh, it's actually, it's a nice little rhyming word because washing or polishing or, or anything like that is generally snos, S-N-A-S. It's also the word for mold, you know, so if you mold on something, it's snos. And as as you know, the word for for green is gloss. So snus gloss is greenwashing. Snus gloss, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Love that. yeah. Do you know my favorite Irish word, Div? Is is um? I'm trying to remember what it is, but I know what it. What <laughs> is the Irish word for jellyfish? Dunham. Oh, smugglerlorin. S M U G. Yeah. I R L E. Yeah. And then rowan or of N. And it translates as. Well, rowan is is a seal. Seal. Yeah. Yeah. Seal yeah. snot. Yeah, yeah. So smuggler is generally <laughs> it's what a jellyfish is. Not or slime is a smuggler. Oh, yeah, brilliant. yeah. Suppose you can see the logic for it. You know, I mean, absolutely. Uh, you, you know, this is is where do you find them? You find them near where you find seals. You know, 
maybe some time long, long, long ago, people thought they actually did come from seals, that they were, you know. I was going to say, there has to be a belief because ultimately that is biologically incorrect. So, yeah. I mean, you'll have to imagine <laughs> yeah, that somebody yeah. somewhere believed it at some point. I, I, you got to remember that Selkies are uh, half women, half seals from Irish mythology. So, uh, you know, I, I'm not necessarily sure scientific observation when we were creating the language in the first place <laughs> was paramount. No, but actually, I, I wonder... You know, we, we, we talk about Irish and, and your job, of course, is to take popularized words from other languages and figure out the Irish. But what about the other way around? Does Irish ever give words to other languages? Yeah, it depends on, you know, it depends on a number of things. It depends on, on where it happens. For example, in America, uh, with the Irish speakers going to America, it depends on the specific areas that we're talking about. So say, for example, if you have, if the Irish would have a particular expertise in a particular area, which they then bring to another country that might well happen. So you might have, for example, boat building terms that come from the Irish. Now, please don't ask me. I don't know them off my no, heart. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I, I, I know that the common words that, that are spoken about are things like, you know, uh, Fawny from Fawny, Fawny being a ring. And so um, uh, th- these would be from Irish people selling fake gold. Gotcha. In, I think New York. Smithereens is Smith, one. Smithereeny, because uh, I, really anything like that that ends in eens or, or, or anything like that is probably coming from Irish because een is the diminutive suffix. So as, as you, again, you would know, just anybody with a small amount of Irish would know, whenever they hear somebody talking, if there's I for the N or double E-N in English at the end, but it means little. Yeah. So smithereeny means small bits and small parts and everything like that. But the, there are, you know... Um, well, I would have said rumours there, but, but there are people who made statements that, for example, Guna became gown rather than round. Ah, okay. I have it from the horse's mouth this week, Dave, as, you know, I was just hanging around with Susie Dent, my mate, on Countdown. Right, right, right. And I did ask her specifically about Smithereeny, and I asked her about Galore, and both of them are from Irish, and Penguin is from Welsh in English. So, let me ask you this. Do you translate from other languages into Irish? Um, as 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 well as from English. Yeah, but not, obviously not on the scale. You see, I, uh, as I, I may have mentioned before, it really depends on the areas that are uh, being translated. You know, for example, the you know technology or so on mm. like that. It also depends as well on on maybe which country, which language is to the fore in that particular area. So, to give you an example, culinary arts, for example, you might expect there'd be a lot of words that wouldn't be coming from English, but they'd be coming from French into English, from Italian into English, and so on. And and generally what we would do, uh, you know, but not always, we, we would actually take the word as borrowing. So f- say, for example, if you're looking at a menu in in Carroll, for example, like that, and they're serving you croissants, it, it should just be croissant. We're not going yeah. to try it. We're not going to try and Gaelicize that, you know. But things like, uh, for example, um, the various uh, sauces in French, which are always sauce followed by, say, Bayarnaise, Lyonnaise, or whatever like that, we would just say omelette, which is the Irish for sauce, but we wouldn't change the bayonnaise. Ah, bayonnaise or whatever comes after. So yeah. if, if we're talking about a bayonnaise sauce, we would say omelette bayonnaise mm. uh, in Irish. We, we wouldn't translate that. Other areas would be, uh, let's say, for example, martial arts. Uh, we're not going to go and translate the Japanese terms for the various kicks in, in judo or something like that. Uh, un- unless they've already been comprehensively and accurately translated into another language and we can then translate from that. But I mean, if it makes more sense, and for example, if a, my understanding is if you're learning the martial arts, that you actually learn the Japanese terms. So they, they will tell you that this is the name in Japanese for a yeah. particular, say, front kick to the head or something like that. 
Well, if they're using the Japanese term like that, I don't see why we should go changing it. I mean, I think we should actually just accept this as a term. But there's no reason why you wouldn't put Irish around it. So you would say, you know, if you're teaching a class through Irish in, in judo, for example, the rest of your language would be in Irish, but the actual names of the kicks would stay in Japanese. Stay, yeah, yeah, I would yeah. suggest if you're translating kicks in judo, Donica, um, you've taken the piss absolutely because that's all throws. So I'm going to listen to you yeah. when it comes to oh, language, yeah. <laughs> but not martial arts. That's psychotic. That's, okay. well, that's, that's why we use our experts. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I've built it up too much, right? So this is how we get a word into a language, Dave, okay, okay. as far this as I... This is ridiculous. I'm this so is, excited. This is what I've promised you, right? So basically, if we are the first people to ask... Yeah. Uh, Dunica and his terminologist and his panel. Well, then, when they go away and translate it, we have presented this word to the world. So they have to come back to us. They have to come back to us. Now, it, it might listen, even if Dunica suggests a word and they change the word, the fact that we are going to them first, we wow. are inspiring a word into our first language originally. This is where I earn the big books. Is that it? Okay, okay. Yeah. This is very exciting. Neil, I mean, what are we going to pick? I have not touch wood caught COVID. Which is it's weird. Same. Yeah. That I know. Oh, you haven't caught COVID either. No, okay. no, no. So you are, this isn't about you, Dunica. You, <laughs> you're just our expert. We're, yeah. we're the prima donnas here, right? <laughs> What's the Irish for prima donna? No. Um, we would be classified as super dodgers. Okay. Uh, yeah. Right. Is there a word in Irish for super dodgers? Yes. Not my knowledge. Oh! Neil Delamere, I'm very impressed. Not, not, not to my knowledge. And and I'm not saying that somebody hasn't coined the phrase, but right. we certainly, and I've just checked, we haven't got it on our database. Yes, Neil Delamere. Okay. Okay. And it's certainly, it's not on this month's list yet. So you want to put it on the list and let's start. So if you put it on the list and you have your chats with Constantine Moroku and Seamus Anadopadopoulos, right? Yeah. You come yeah. off and have a chat with the lads. <laughs> You try and figure out is super from Latin or Greek. I don't know. And it doesn't really matter. It doesn't okay. really matter because I'll tell you. Can I? Can I give you my what my first? I was just about to ask. Yes. Can you, even yes. before you go to the meeting, what what we instinctively you'd come with us? I'll explain to you how we would go about this. Right. First yeah. of all, we ask you, you know, for a definition. What does it mean? Can you give us an example of it in use and so on? Look, I know what you're talking about, so we don't need to do that. Okay. The way we're looking at this is super is a prefix. Okay, and generally for something like super. We use in Irish the word the word esa for the or soar. Soar, okay. It means, you know, above above yep. the height, way up high. Okay. Now we do have the word dodger because there is the word like tax dodger. Oh and, and, and it's a word it's a word elahor, e fada l a i t h e o i r. Now you might know the verb elo, which means to uh, exit or exit, to escape. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So elahor is somebody who escapes. Right. Okay. So what I would suggest for Super Dodger is Sor Elahor. All one word. S A Fada R E Fada A L A I T H E O I R. A super escaper. A super escaper. Oh, I yeah. like that name. Somebody who's escaped, somebody who's dodged. Neil yeah. has delivered and Dunica has over delivered. This and is exactly so that, how I wanted this I would, to go. That's what I would suggest in this case, you know, Sor Elahor. That's what I'm going to propose. Right. Sorry, Lahore. Uh, and your names are going to be, because whenever we're producing the list, we put down the name of the requester. So your two names oh, I didn't are. Know that. Yes. <laughs> so your Amazing. names are going down as the requesters. And and of course, I'll be reporting to the committee about all of this shenanigans. Oh, absolutely. 
I'll, I'll say this is my opinion and they'll, they'll either say that was brilliant or they'll say I'm happy about that. But either way, we'll get back <laughs> but, to you. But one way or the other, you know, it will be translated. So basically, oh, yeah. this, is, this isn't a judgment of our suggestion. This is nope. a judgment of what you suggested. Yep. The pressure. <laughs> Tattoo fui vru inish. You are under pressure at the moment. Yeah, you know, but you're, you, you know, as I said, Neil, that's why they pay me the big bucks. <laughs> it's Misha Sore Lahore. That's yeah, all I know. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. Is yeah, quality. yeah. Super Dodger just sounds like it's R1. I didn't realize you hadn't gotten COVID, Dave Moore. So it just sounds like we're bonded and we, we will be further bonded, Lekela, together by this new word. This could be a new name for the podcast, like there you, know, you go. Super Dodgers. So yeah, why would you tell me that with the sore ale horse? Until yeah, there's yeah, something happening, lads. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Our, our next meeting is coming up short. I think about three or four weeks, and uh, we'll have word for you after that. Amazing! <laughs> oh, this is this is incredible. Adding words to a language is not something I ever thought we'd do, Neil. <laughs> yeah, technically, it's not what we're doing now. But anyway, close enough. Donica, <laughs> uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks a million for chatting to us today, Gormagot. Gormagot, lads, and and best of luck. Okay, Slan. Thanks a million, Slan. Welcome back to part three of Why Would You Tell Me That? So, Dave, Dunnock is going to go off. He's going to meet with the people who matter. And we are going to wait to see what the committee comes back with. Have we gotten Super Dodger oh. into, or the Irish word for Super Dodger, into Terma.ie and then eventually into Folklore.ie, into the dictionary, possibly? I really hope we do, because, like, what an amazing word, first of all, a Super Dodger. Like, there's, it's so so modern, you know, it's so important. And then to get the Irish version of that into the language would be an achievement. We could hang up our, our headphones at that point. To be we'll update you with this as as we go. I can guarantee you if it does go in, we will. We, I bet you we'll do a podcast with an update and both of us will have COVID at the time. Both of us will be like, <laughs> how are we so apparently in a twisted face? <laughs> we are not Dodgers, That's super a, or otherwise. Yeah, yeah. So... <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought I thought us kind of affecting a language was a good enough subject for the show. So oh, your brilliant. turn. What do you got for me next yeah. week? Well, Neil, next week I'm going to tell you about the biggest heist the world has ever seen. Oh God, I love a heist. I can't wait. Can we you do it now? Do please, love please, a heist. please, no, please, 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 please. No, you have to wait. You've okay. got to wait seven days and then you mm-hmm. can have it. Unless, of course, you're listening to this episode after the heist one comes out, in which case you can just stop this episode now and listen to the heist one. But Neil, you have to wait seven days. I have six sleeps. I'm not happy. <laughs> Join us next week. The biggest heist the world has ever seen. You do not want to miss this. We are Why Would You Tell Me That? Thank you very much. Bye-bye. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 